Episode 9 of the Desert League coming up next. Subscribe to the Desert League at anchor.fm slash desert-league or find us on iTunes. This is it. It's episode nine of the Desert League. I'm Ward Andrews in the North Bureau with Sean Fitzpatrick from the South Bureau. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Ward? I'm doing great. You know, the only thing that I can think about, I know we've got a lot to talk about, is the good guys with Khalil. (laughs) Well, I think... uh... I think the booster Khalil will appreciate that shout out. I, I, I give you credit. I was trying to think of my own uh, George Khalil reference, but I think you've got the one that works the best. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't take credit. I saw it on Twitter, but I thought it was perfect. We got all these young guys out on the field. We've got an offensive line that's coming together. And then you've got Khalil Tate doing his Michael Vick thing out there. And, I mean, you just have to sit back in awe of what we're seeing out there on the football field. We were ready to burn down the stadium and the program, and all of a sudden, Arizona looks competitive. Yeah, it's it's actually good that we, uh, we missed a week and are picking it up again now because it – it makes our uh, our podcast from that would have been last week uh, look really good because I was I was prepared to say well you know the Khalil Tate thing was nice it's a flash in the pan but unfortunately I think you know things are going to kind of revert back to form uh, some of the disappointments that we're used to seeing but then lo and behold the UCLA monkey is off our back finally yeah. Yeah, and what did UCLA say on the sideline or wherever to our team before the game? All the players were super fired up, and something had been said, and I don't know what it was. Did you hear about this? No, I'm not. I'm not privy to anything that was said, but um, I will say one one interesting observation was after you know having watched Khalil you know, literally run his magic on TV the week before there, there really is no comparison to watching Khalil Tate run in person compared to on TV, because I have, I have literally um, worked on the stat crew uh, at least continuously over the last 10 years and on and off over the last 20 plus years, probably, you know, I probably don't want to date myself too much, but um I have rarely had instances where I watch a guy on the field and just go, wow. That, I mean, that first uh, touchdown <laughs> run that Khalil Tate had, it, 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 there, you, cannot, you cannot communicate how jaw-dropping it is to watch him run and make people miss in person compared to what you see on TV. I mean, it's impressive on TV, but when you see him turn on those afterburners and when you see him – evade tackles i i literally stopped taking stats because i just had to watch it <laughs> uh I, you know you rich rod takes a lot of heat but you got to give him credit for recruiting the guy as a quarterback putting him in a quarterback 
And now it looks like we're Rich Rod's vintage West Virginia offense. It's yeah, just, and it's yeah, and you know, and that that really is a key to a Rich Rod offense. Is you've got, and you know, the West Virginia analogy is very appropriate. Um, but you've got to have the right personnel. You've ultimately got to have talent. Most importantly, you've got to have speed. And you know, not and so what's been interesting is after you know Khalil Tate demonstrated that at least you know for the moment he's definitely not a flash in the pan and knock on wood he's going to continue to have you know similar types of success to what we've seen the last two weeks it's um it's interesting to watch a lot of the media saying you know woulda coulda shoulda what if you know Khalil Tate had been in earlier in the season and what if Brandon Dawkins hadn't been shoved into the bench, you know, and then Tate had come in. But the reality is, is, you know, he just, it just wasn't prime time for him yet. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that we, we've seen Khalil Tate in games before and he's, he's never demonstrated what he's demonstrated over the last two games. So I refuse to yeah. say the woulda, coulda, shoulda, and second guess Rich Rod because, as Khalil Tate himself says, he goes, "I didn't, you know, I didn't know the system um, the way I do now. You know, I didn't have the confidence that I have now, and this is the time that he was ready. You can have all the talent in the world, but if it's not uncorked at the right time in the right way, you're just not going to have success." Yep, yep. The light bulb has gone on. Um, the touch he's putting on the ball on these deep balls. And the way he's reading things, that, that touchdown strike, just like that 10-yard toss to the tight end over the middle. Uh, uh, and then we're this rushing, this massive rushing yardage. I mean, in that Colorado game, the best FBS rushing quarterback performance ever. No, like, shit. Was well, it, 367 well, oh. yards of, offense, of rushing yards? Oh well, right? yeah. In, in, in the game against uh, in the game against Colorado, it was yeah. the it was the single best. Uh, it was the single best rushing performance by a quarterback ever in the history of the NCAA. Right, um, and that was on fourteen carries. One, I know it's it's unbelievable. And then you know to complement that, and and we were keeping track up in the stat booth because going into the into the fourth quarter, at least some point early on in the fourth quarter, he was 20 yards shy of breaking the two-game record for most rushing yards by a quarterback. And mm. the, o- the only reason he didn't uh, break that was he only carried the ball once in the fourth quarter because, and, you know, thank, uh, thank the Arizona gods for this, he we, he didn't have to carry, and I think he was under strict orders at that point. You're giving the ball to Nick Wilson. You're giving the ball <laughs> to Zach Green. You are not you are you are not yeah. to carry. And he carried one time for six yards, so he ended up about 14 yards shy of having the two game uh, record. You know, single uh, basically the the two game uh, rushing record for a quarterback. Um, but I, I will take, and I'm sure he and Rich Rod and everybody will take the enviable position of being able to hand it off and mop up time and kill the clock time rather than going after that record and risking yep. injury. Yep. Yep. So I, 
I want to just dissect why I think it's working. Because it, because with Dawkins, it wasn't working, right? They would, they would stack the box and shut it down. It wasn't working for Dawkins. He couldn't make the pass. We talk, we've talked about it for like three podcasts now. Dawkins just couldn't make the pass when he needed to. But Tate's right. different, right? So if you yeah. key on Tate, the running backs run wild. If you put eight in the box and you stop the run, Tate can make that pass that needs to be made. And if that happens, Rich Rod's offense goes into overdrive because you just there's too many pressure points. And well, yeah, and we seeing a guy who can run that, and we're seeing what can happen. Absolutely, and and we talked about that, and and I know I've mentioned before on our previous podcast with Brandon Dawkins. I don't care if he hasn't even thrown for 100 yards in a game, you know, or if he's thrown for 300 yards. The only one that matters is when you're down in crunch time and you need to make that 10-yard pass for a first down or you need to have a touch and hit a guy, hit a guy over the rainbow the way Khalil Tate did on that bomb, you know, that that reception uh, that he had. I think it was a 40, 45, 50-yard reception. I can't remember now. That was a perfect strike, and and I actually can't remember who caught it, but what was great is the receiver got up, was already in game plan mode. He wasn't thinking about celebrating this great 50-yard catch. He got up immediately was like, guys, get to the line. You know, we, we got to right. keep them off guard. And so I think that's where you start to see some of that discipline, too, is when you see a guy who's not Khalil Tate getting up and saying, hey, guys, stay on the game plan, get to the line, and not sitting there going, look at me, I just caught a 50-yard pass, you know. And, yep. and, yeah, to your point, you know, if you can just make a couple of those passes, it doesn't matter how many yards you throw for. You just need, be, you just need to be able to get that defensive line to bite on a play action at some point, you know, so that you can complete a pass and then, you know, know if they put too many guys in the box, as you said, that you're going to throw over the top of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Special teams though needs to, we need to batten down special teams because that's going to cost us a game here at some point. Missed extra point, missed field goal. In fact, we were joking up in the staff booth. There was, there was a guy um, during one of the breaks that basically they were at commercial. So people at home didn't see this, but they did the field goal kicking contest and a guy kicked like, uh, it had to have been like a 30 or 40 yard field goal that <laughs> would have been good from 50 or 60. And all of us in the step booth were like, Hey, let's have him kick our extra points. He looks young enough where he's got eligibility still. <laughs> yeah. seriously. Well, I mean, we could know a lot just coming up this week. So we got to go on the road. Funny things happen on the road. Funny things always happen when we play Cal, like weird oh, yeah. stuff. Weird stuff. You, you mean like the Hill Mary? <laughs> like the yes, like the Hill Mary. But you can go all the way back, like weird stuff with George Malaulu. I mean, you could just think of all these games against Cal where weird oh. stuff happens. Oh, they've they've kept us out of the Rose Bowl on more than one occasion. You know, they're they're and I I don't have it right at the tip of my. You know, at my at my fingertips right now, but on at least two or three occasions, uh, you know, we were on our way to getting going to our first Rose Bowl. It looked like nothing could stop us, and we were supposed to beat Cal handily, and then they ended up being our speed bump. So, 
even though we've beaten them the last two times, although we missed them quite a bit in the, you know, in the yearly uh, schedule. But so this is going to be the first time we've faced them since that epic, um, you know, a new Solomon, uh, <laughs> you know, Hill Mary yes. completion that, uh, that I was, you know, fortunate enough to be there at the stadium for, um, and so this is going to be the, you know, essentially the rematch of the Hill Mary. So we'll, we'll be seeing some replays of that this week um, as, as that game's going on. And, and Cal's coming off of a big win over Washington state, you know, Washington state's highly touted, obviously. And now is it that Cal is this good or is Washington state just more of a pretender? We're going to find out over the next two weeks, you know, who's the real deal and who's just vaporware. Yeah. I think we go into Cal, and I think we win, and I think we win big, and I don't think Cal can keep up with our speed. Yeah, they, I, I, they can't keep up with a dual threat. Washington can throw the Washington State can throw the ball all over the field, but their running game is nothing compared to what Arizona has. Oh I no, think no, Arizona, no! I think Arizona brings pain to Berkeley this weekend. Well, as as Lee Corso says on College Football Game Day, not so not so fast, my friend. Uh, to steal his line, I was looking at uh, you know at the at the past four games or at least the past three games with Cal, they've all been within five points. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another you know forty eight to forty five or you know something along those lines type of game against Cal always seems to bring its best game against us. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. But uh, maybe we should talk about the Arizona defense. The Arizona defense is the strongest it's been in three or four seasons. Well, when, when it came down to crunch time, I'll give you that because for a while there, it looked like it was going to be a reenactment of the previous week against Colorado, where it was just going to be a track meet and whoever had the ball last was going to win. But you gotta give you gotta give them credit. What's encouraging, and you know what, I can totally see the effect of having Chuck Cecil, and obviously, you know, he's not the main defensive mastermind. But you know, when you've got, and and I even made the comment, um, you know, when we've when we've made two, uh, when the same guy makes two pickoffs, you know, in the same game, runs one back for a TD, and I'm sitting there going, wow. He reminds me of Chuck Cecil. It's like, ding, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta wonder, you know, just what an X factor that is when, you know, when you brought back your legendary, um, you know, interceptions leader and, you know, kind of all around God from, you know, from the, from the football perspective back into the fold and, you know, <laughs> getting those key sacks in the fourth quarter. So that we, we owned the fourth quarter, which was, was really the key. And the same thing goes as, as with Khalil Tate to the defense. It's okay. The defense is going to give up a bunch of yards. They're going to give up touchdowns. They're going to give up some deep balls. But if we can just get the defense to come together and close things down in the fourth quarter, I think that is the X factor for any game moving forward. Yep. It's like yep. you could be the worst defense in the world for three quarters, but our offense is going to keep in it. All you need to do is step up in the fourth quarter. Yep, just slow things down. We uh, it's often been said if if a if a rich rod offense had any semblance of a defense, 
it's a scary team. And I feel like that's kind of where Arizona's at right now. It's just amazing that we can even be having this conversation considering the way they came out of the gate earlier in the season. But if you had told me that Arizona's quarterback accounted for 378 yards of offense, <laughs> well, 148 yards on the ground, 200, you know, 230 well, it, yards, <laughs> a two TD. Well, it, it, yeah, and here, here's, here, here's the game within the game, you know, in the reality of college athletics, having, you know, worked from within it, what is what is so astonishing about this turn of events is not only you know the winning streak that the cats are on, not only that Khalil Tate has emerged as the quarterback, but the fact that he has been so dynamic and electrifying and literally captured the imagination of not only Arizona fans but national media. And that, more than anything else, more than the wins, although we have to have the wins, but that in and of itself, I think, has saved Rich Rod's job at this point. Because football attendance, you know, season ticket sales, you know, have been as bad as they've ever been, um, just about. And, you know, the attendance the last home game before they went on, you know, out to to Colorado was dismal, and as Greg Greg Hansen noted, the turnaround in home attendance between that you know <laughs> that last game and then the game against UCLA was eleven thousand, which was just about the biggest jump in attendance, and that is all due to one guy, Khalil Tate. So yeah. if if we had if we'd had some ugly wins and we'd still had you know okay Brandon Dawkins maybe pulled it out or maybe even Khalil Tate barely pulled it out. The team didn't really look that great. We would be, you know, looking at the record that we have now, but still going, yeah, but, you know, at least internally with the boosters and with the finances and the athletic department, the athletics department, they'd be saying, yeah, but nobody's excited enough to come out to the game. And it was a late arriving crowd. But um, but you know Arizona Stadium was pretty rocking last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And then you win at Cal and come back for that homecoming game against Washington State. You could sell out that stadium. Oh, it'll be off the you know it'll be off the chain if uh, yeah. if we beat Cal and you know what you what you actually hope for is that Washington State rebounds and plays well and wins this week and demonstrates that they're a good team. Um, yeah, because often you'll have teams that are peaking early and then they start having a couple losses and people lose interest. But, you know, even, even if they don't, you know, come back and win, if we, you know, if we win at Cal, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe, but we're essentially, we're still in the race for the Pac-12 Southern Division. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> to that point on ESPN, they were – talking about who can win the Pac-12, and they gave Arizona a 2% chance. <laughs> win. Which I thought was funny. But, you know, I just remember before the season started that there was a ton of computer projection. You know, the computers project wins and losses, and there were a lot of 50-50 games for the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. But you throw Khalil Tate in there, that tips the scales. You know, we we could win four of the next six we could win six of the next six. 
Like this kind of crazy stuff could happen. Uh, now, yeah. Pete gets hurt because he won't step out of bounds. And he likes rolling over 50 guys. You know, he likes to put his head down like a running back. Yeah. Um, he just needs to stay healthy because uh, the whole the whole thing is riding on his his arm and his legs. Well, that's that's what why it's it is encouraging to see, um, you know, Nick Wilson have 135 yards. You know, in addition to this, to see you know Zach Green come in and just be kind of the sacrificial steamroller in the fourth quarter, taking the punishment willingly and and dishing it out. He's a big boy, and and getting you know five yards, you know four or five yards of carry, and just grinding out the clock. That quickly be, and you know JJ Taylor coming in providing a different look. You know that you know that really just uh, gives you a formula for how you can control and and manage the game clock when you need to. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean at the end of the day we're rolling five six hundred yards of offense up a gate. We're just outscoring people. You don't want to get behind Arizona when we get this thing rolling. Like UCLA, they kept throwing punches, uh, but you know every time you look at the score, Arizona was dropping another touchdown on them. Well, one of the most uh, encouraging quotes for me was the fact that uh, Jim Morris said, "You know, after after Colorado, we we knew what to prepare prepare for, and we prepared for Khalil Tate. You know, we we knew what he was going to do." We just couldn't stop him. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. That's what you want, which is, hey, I I know they're putting up a game plan designed around stopping me. Good luck executing it because I'm going to get out. You're not going to have anybody. That's the other thing is Cal's not going to have anybody on a scout team to simulate what it's going to be like when Khalil Tate breaks out <laughs> of the pocket. And right. gets into the backfield. You know, you can't you can't simulate that in practice. No, you can't. Well, anything else on the cats? We should probably cover a couple other things here. Well, it's um, interesting in the span of just a few weeks how our focus has shifted from wishing yeah. to uh, get to basketball season to hoping that football season never ends. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as far as basketball goes, time just needs to pass by. Like yeah. this whole this whole thing, I mean, there's there's just no evidence that anything other than Book going rogue on his own accord. That's all that's ever come out. You know, and now people are even questioning if Louisville went too far in letting Patino go because really where's the evidence that he did Patino did anything? Right? Well, the problem is is he was I know he had other stuff going before that, but Patino's actually suing Adidas. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see that. And uh, it's just, it's going to get out of control. Uh, but all I know is Arizona just needs to go about its business. Uh, yeah. Because that, that, this is a good team, and it's too bad that we've had to deal with the controversy around what Book did. But, well, uh, the, yeah, the the difference. I mean, the difference between Patino and and Sean Miller is really that, you know, Patino already used up all his chips. You know, he was he was playing with house money at that point, and you know, the president of the university was finally, I think, you know, just 
enough. I'm I'm tired, and our supporters are are tired of Louisville being in the news all the time because of problems with the program. I don't care if it's your fault anymore. I don't. It's like you're the head guy. This stuff keeps happening. This has got to stop. And you kind of you kind of get it, you know. After you've you're already on thin ice. Whereas Sean Miller. This is literally the first black guy that he's even been within shouting distance of. So he has a lot of credibility coming into the conversation. And hopefully, you know, he maintains that credibility. And, yes, he does bear responsibility for oversight of the program. And I am encouraged, um, you know, by the fact that he has publicly said in the very limited statements he's allowed to make, you get, you get the feeling that he – he wants to say more, but the the instructions that he's been given. I even saw the quote where, you know, at Pac-12 Media Day, he said, "I res-, he said to the media, and he he's you know he's not necessarily a big fan of the media. He said, hey, I respect you have to do your job and you have to ask me the, that question, but I'm going to just stand by my statement, you know. And he's been told, stay on message, you know, don't yep. don't deviate, and you know, I think as long as nothing surfaces that implicates him directly, I think the worst thing that's going to happen, at least in the in the near-term future, is they're just going to have to get used to all the taunting from the student section on the road of, you know, student sections. I, I, I'm already seeing, like, the gimmicks that they're going to pull up, you know. They're going to start making it rain with uh, with play money, you know, when Arizona comes out on the court and – you know, they're going to do all the cliche things. And, you know, at least in the short term, it's like, okay, you got to just take those licks, go out, beat them by, you know, 40 points and, you know, and keep a number one ranking and just hope that your internal investigations and your kind of self-imposed penalties satisfy the NCAA so that whatever you accomplish this year, whatever we accomplish, you know, speaking as an Arizona fan, doesn't get taken away at a later date. Yeah, we can't worry about the drama. We just worry about focusing on beating everyone. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and I think the teams, in in a weird way, it'll probably really motivate the team to to come together even more. You know, they've, you know, from from the reports we've seen, you know, the trip to Europe was a bonding experience. Obviously, the, you know, you'd never want a team to bond over the fact that a tragedy occurs while you're, um, you know, while you're on a trip, but I'm sure that, you know, the very sobering effect of the fact that there was a terrorist attack while they were there and, you know, it just creates a deeper bond of trust with them. And now, you know, the U of A players and team have to feel like, well, you know, it's us against the world and we've got to stick together. You know, you've got to think that that's going to transfer into superior performance, you know, out on the court where they're going to say, Look, we're going to show you what we can do. That's all we can control. Yeah, it's good. So, when is the red and blue? Is that this week, or isn't that coming? Uh, I believe, yeah, I believe the red and blue is this week. I believe it's this Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so yeah. I think that'll help. It'll bring a feel-good atmosphere back to the program. There will be a lot of big recruits visiting. Um, it should be it should be highlight reel plays, dunks. So maybe we can just get on with the with the sport of basketball, and uh, and move on from there. We also have uh, we also have the Phoenix Suns with their home opener tomorrow night, and uh, what I'm interested in 
is the is the Devin Booker factor. So the Suns are, are an average or below average team, but they have one of the best young stars in the league. And are they going to just allow Devin Booker to be the man and score 30, 40, 50 a game, which he is capable of doing? Are they just going to let him be the man and make the games interesting? Or are they going to try to trying to get everybody involved and, and have an average season? Or uh, I'm just curious to see how it plays out. Well, and here's, here's the reality, though. I mean, now in the era of the super team, you know, vis-a-vis specifically Golden State, obviously uh, Cleveland Cavaliers being there, you know, year in, year out. Now the Rockets attempting to kind of build the same thing. It's It's become – pretty apparent that you can't have just one superstar on your team. You know, the, the days of Allen Iverson carrying the Sixers and, you know, that formula didn't even really work that well for them, you know, are really gone. And you've got to have at least two superstars on your team, it seems, in yeah. order to be a contender. And, you know, they. my question is, who's – Who's the Phoenix Suns number two, and can you make an argument that he's at that level? I don't. I don't think you. Can. Well, the number two, just from stats, is Eric Bledsoe, but he's so inconsistent, and he's and he's really not a good point guard. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about Bledsoe. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm going to. So, I'm going to. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm good. Keep going. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was just going to say, and, and I'm, I'm going to hold my own San Antonio Spurs up to the same lens um, as, as was demonstrated in the, in the playoffs last year. You know, without Kawhi Leonard, you know, Spurs are nothing. And so, you know, for, for San Antonio, they have to be asking the same question, you know, because you, you've got, you know, a lot of aging guys. You don't have Tim Duncan anymore, obviously. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard is a bona fide, you know, superstar, but that's just not going to be enough to get you to the promised land. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll check in on the Suns next week after we have some regular season games to evaluate. Well, uh, and I just, I just want to know, is there, wait, I was just going to ask, is there going to be one of those NFC card Devin Booker jerseys? Oh, I assume so. I, uh, you know, I, I have to decide if I want to mess around with one of those things or not. But um, if you wanted to have a, a jersey of a young star in the NBA, you definitely want to have a Devin Booker jersey because that guy is the real deal. If I were the owner of the Sun, I would have already built the statue. I already have the Devin Booker statue up. So. Yeah. Yeah, you might, or you might, you might want to have the mold made. Maybe, maybe not, uh, <laughs> maybe not cast it quite yet. No, let's just let's just let the kid know he should be a franchise player. Put the put the statue out there. Let him know he's the man. Like you don't want to lose a Devin Booker. You don't want to <laughs> lose a young Kobe. You don't want to lose one of the best talents in a generation because you weren't doing what you needed to do. So I, well, I think you build the statue now. <laughs> build the statue now. Don't don't make him earn it. Don't make him really play for it. Just go ahead and yeah. give him the statue. 
Put him in a put him in the ring. He dropped seventy points in a game last season. <laughs> All right. Well, so you know. I, I want to give our thirty seconds to the Sun Devils. Um, oh right, the number they, five team. They, you know, even though they threw upset. that pass, they threw that pass on fourth down, and <sighs> he, he totally overthrew his guy. But there happened to be a dude standing there, and he happened. Hey, I'd rather be lucky than good. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll see how this plays out. But good job, Sun Devils. Nice win. Hey, it okay. just it just makes the territorial cup more interesting at the end of the year. It will be good. It will be good. Let's talk about the Cardinals. And so who'd have thought we those... we would actually look forward to talking about the Cardinals? I know what's going on. I mean, think about the historical significance of the fact that the Sun Devils, the Wildcats, and the Cardinals all won their game in the same weekend. That's amazing. That would be that would be interesting to go back and figure out when was the last time that happened. It, it may not be as long ago as we perceive it to be, but actually it could have been a long time ago, especially with the Wildcats losing streak last season. So, well, the Sun Devils had a long losing streak too. Yeah, so, yeah. It was been a while. I think it's been a while. It, it may have been a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I want to just make a note. The Golden State Warriors lost tonight, which means that the Suns have taken a commanding half-game lead in the Pacific Division. (laughs) I just want to point that out. Well, I think you should mark this date in the calendar (laughs) and uh, just, you know, just try and blow it up. Use it as a wallpaper on your desktop and, you know, maybe (laughs) enjoy it as long as you can. I have a feeling that's not going to hold. Yeah, perhaps. So, but you know, I love. Oh, so I love are you going to get it? Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You, you go. I loved your text to me. You know, you know, I had texted you after Khalil and the good guys um, did their thing. <laughs> I said, you know, legitimate question: Is Arizona going to lose again? And then you text me after uh, the Cardinals roll out. Um, Adrian Peterson, and uh, do their thing, you text me legitimate questions, do the Cardinals lose another game? <laughs> and and the question, the answer is yes, they're going to lose again. But it was pretty nice to see that there was a, 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 common, uh, a common thought that if you have a good running game and a good passing game, you can win games. Or you know, even more weird specifically – you you can't have a good passing game without a without a, a legitimate running threat in the yeah. NFL. That's right. And when you have both, it gets really interesting. Uh, I mean, it, the, it the, went, the Cardinals were pretty balanced. They looked pretty good on offense. Well, and everybody everybody all week was making the jokes, you know, because of Arizona's. Uh, yeah, Arizona's a great place for retirees, and the Arizona Cardinals have kind of a long history of being like the last stop for all these great running backs after their glory is gone. You know, uh, <laughs> Emmett Smith. You know, you've got uh, you know Chris Johnson, who was actually released in favor of uh, you know of Adrian Peterson. But you know, there's something to be said for a guy who really keeps himself in good physical shape. And is able to 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 still play, and 
you know, you can't say that New Orleans made a mistake because they dropped, I think, 50-something points on their opponent. Um, and they have the running game that they want to have. But Adrian Peterson is a, hey, I'm going to run downhill. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a seam. I'm going to bust it open. And I'm off to the races. And, it, you know, it was, it was fun to see him out there just running wild. And, and then, you know, seeing how, how that opened things up for Larry Fitzgerald and for, you know, for Carson Palmer. And, you know, of course, I, I, will say, I, uh, I have no idea if Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually related to me. I've, 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 I've since learned that, you know, all the, Fitzp- but all the Fitzpatricks are related because at one point I got a, my brothers and I got a small inheritance from a Fitzpatrick that we'd never even heard of just because all the Fitzpatricks are connected. So I'm sure he's like a cousin on some like weird little limb on the Fitzpatrick tree, <laughs> but it is, <laughs> nice. it is kind of, it is kind of fun, you know, watching sports center, especially, you know, my name, my, my last name isn't Jones or Smith or anything like that. And, and hearing them say, Fitzpatrick with another touchdown pass. It, you know, it kind of makes my dreams come true. So, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> came in, you know, for the stud and and brought the uh, the Buccaneers within a you know within a whisper of coming back. But uh, I, I was proud of my boy, my my fellow uh, Fitz brother. It's that Fitzpatrick money. <laughs> That's money. Okay. Although he can't, he he can't be that close a relation because I can never grow a beard that full. So he can't, he can't be that closely related to me. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's a he's an NFL quarterback and an Ivy League grad, and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wanted to go back to Arizona football. Um, it, it was a couple of weeks. We had made predictions for the Colorado game. And oh. I actually, had it, I had it pretty good. I, I had said forty-five, thirty-four, and it was like forty-five, forty-two or something, right? Wow, that's so, yeah, that's impressive. That's I, I don't remember good. what I said. I think it was probably much less than that. You, you, you had the Caps winning. You had just had it at a lower point total. Yeah. Um, and then we didn't predict last week. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm predicting the last the week Cal score. <laughs> Yeah, for the Cal game, absolutely. So what what are you saying for Cal? Well, I really think Cal's going to have a problem with the running game. So, I mean, I'm going to say Arizona 48. Um, and I'm going to say Cal 24. 48-24. Yeah, Cats are going to double them up. I'm I'm tempted to go with the Hill Mary score out of nostalgia, but nice. I, I I don't know. I actually don't think I, I think that uh, I will go with the forty nine for superstition and for good luck, and because I think it legitimately will be up there. But I I think that uh, Cal will score more than 24, so I'm more inclined to go with 49 to 38. A late a late touchdown, a meaningless touchdown. Uh, as much as I'm tempted to, the history has been like a three or four point game against Cal every time we play them, 
but I am inclined to um, drink the Kool-Aid, jump on the bandwagon, especially now we've seen it two weeks in a row, and just you know slap myself in the face if uh, if it comes back to bite me. But I I, I can I feel pretty comfortable with a forty-nine to thirty-eight prediction. Okay. So we've got 49-38 for Sean, and we got 48-24 for Ward. That sounds good. Either way, we've got the Cats winning again, and uh, and really that that would put them at 5-2, and two, um, which is not a bad record considering the way they played earlier in the season. Hey, if we, if we just get bowl eligible, everything else is gravy at this point. Yep. And beating ASU. Yeah. I mean, we could be bowl eligible well, and we get blown up by ASU, and basically everyone would say we had the worst season ever. Yeah. No, no, no. They have to beat ASU. Although I really like how Arizona matches up with ASU. Uh, I mean, <laughs> if they couldn't contain <laughs> what we had in the running game last year, it's going to be crazy this year. So I, I'm, oh, liking, I'm liking what yeah. we're bringing. I'm like, hey, what we're bringing. The other thing is ASU's quarterback is not accurate, and I think we might pick him off a bunch. So I'm really looking forward to that game. And it's in yeah, and I, it's going to be a good one. It yeah, it is. It is going to it is going to be a good one. And, and I'm I'm looking forward to some more you know stunning uh, plays from the Arizona defense here as the season progresses. I like what I'm seeing in this. You know, even with the mistakes and, you know, giving up some big plays, I like what I'm seeing in terms of takeaways, uh, in terms of sacks, in terms of interceptions. And, you know, nine times out of ten, if you win the plus or minus on the takeaway side, you're going to win the game. Yep. So yep. give up, you know, give up 500 yards, but let's let's beat them in takeaways, you know, by a margin of two to one. Yeah, and it can happen. I mean, Arizona, I think they had – Something like twelve or thirteen uh, turn or like turnovers go their way last year, and they're already at like thirteen interceptions or some crazy. There was some stat I was looking at where Arizona almost has already equaled its takeaway total from last season. And that's yeah, a pretty good and, sign. and that bar was pretty low. The the stat that I was really excited about, and I guess when you think about it makes sense is Arizona's fourth in the country in rushing offense. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think if, if we were reading the same article, the, the three teams above them are all like wishbone run only teams or something. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And, yeah. you know, we could be a one dimensional offense if if they can't stop that one dimension and if we can just throw enough to you know to keep them honest but uh well but yeah suddenly seeing. yeah that's suddenly arizona football is the bright light i, I will mention because I, I realize we're probably getting close to uh end of the time that we wanted to spend on the podcast but i do want to give a shout out to the arizona softball team who announced uh taryn moet um all-star all-college world series uh, pitcher who won a national championship for Arizona was announced as the new pitching coach for the Arizona softball team t- today. So nice. I'm looking forward to uh, Taryn coming in. Not, and Stacey Iveson is just uh, the former uh, pitching coach who 
is also all world and fantastic, but uh, is now in more of an administrative kind of, uh, you know, recruiting role. But I think Taryn can, can take things to the next level on, with the pitching game and, and get us past that, you know, that first round of the NCAAs that we've gotten stuck in. So, you know, big shout out yeah. to the UA softball team. Yeah, look at you dropping that U of A softball knowledge. Hey, you know, I've got full disclosure. Full disclosure, I've got four uh, national championship rings, so um, I'm a little biased, but it's true. Uh, I've seen them, people. <laughs> He's not lying. There's a real deal. And that, that, that's the one thing I don't even do a humble brag about because there's really no. It, it's funny because people will see the ring and they'll say, uh, is, that, "Is that a national championship?" Ring? And they'll say, "Yeah." But sometimes they'll ask, "What sport?" Don't say women's <laughs> softball, and I'll just let the look on their face just kind of, you know. <laughs> so I'm 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 proud to represent for the women's softball team. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I think it's totally well deserved, and you know the funny thing is, and if you've been to if you've been to Hillenbrand for a game, you'll know. But being the uh, the guy calling the plays in that stadium, that's a big part of a big part of the experience of being there so uh well-deserved rings for you oh well you're too kind the, the great the good thing is mike candrea is too kind and he uh he thinks of all the little people even the the stadium announcers when he's uh, doling out rings yeah uh, so i've been fortunate in that but it will be it will be fun to have you uh you know come out with your daughters uh, I, I don't know if you've you've had them out to Hill and Brand for softball games yet or not, but you know I have been uh, out, but I've never brought my daughters out, so maybe I should do that. It's a it's a great. What I love about that is is seeing the impact that it has on on uh, young girls watching these women out there playing, and for those girls to see, wow, hey, we could do the same thing as boys. Obviously, it's a different game than baseball, but it's pretty. You know, they they kick butt just like the boys do, and it's a it's a great thing for the girls to see. So we'll have to we'll have to make sure that uh, we get you some some good seats and bring the girls out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. All right, well, it's time to wrap up episode nine of the Desert League. So uh, for Ward Andrews here in the North Bureau and Sean Fitzpatrick down in the Old Pueblo in the South Bureau. I'll say good night, go cats, bear down. Bear down, dude.